0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another captivating episode of Footprints. This month we're exploring the film and TV potential of Bath. Charlie MacLeod will give us his very own life in the day of an extra. Plus we'll hear from the Holborn Museum, which famously doubled as Lady Danbury's grand estate in the hit series Bridgerton. But first let's find out when, well, Netflix say, decide they want to come and film here. So grab your popcorn, dim the lights, settle down for a magical journey to the heart of the filmmaking industry in this historic city.
1: My name's Rachel Bowers and I'm the manager of the Bath Film Office.
0: Fantastic. And here we are right in Abbey Courtyard. This is the heart of pretty much everything that happens in terms of location shooting in Bath.
1: Is that right? Yeah, it's certainly where we have most filming take place is right in the city centre. So this, by the Abbey here, yeah, gets used a lot.
0: So tell me about it. What happens? How do people contact you?
1: What do they want to know? And and tell me a bit bit about what happens. So we work with all sorts of productions, right from large-scale feature films to television dramas to documentaries to students. And they usually contact us initially when they're looking for locations. They've got a script. They know what they want to film. They need to find a location to do it in. And they may have an idea already of where they want to go in Bath. It might be that they actually want us to come up with suggestions. So we can come up with brochures from our location database, which gives them some ideas Then they'll come, if it's a drama, there's a to-and-fro process where they'll come, have a look, take ideas away, come back again, take ideas away. And eventually, hopefully, that ends up with filming. Documentary filming is a lot more straightforward. They usually come and uh, it's all turned around in a few days because they work on a much tighter timescale. Okay. yes, I
0: can imagine anything like news would be really quick as well. So who have you had then? Who's the most recent?
1: So we've had Bridgerton as being one of the biggest television ongoing series that we've had filmed here. And we have McDonald and Dodds that have filmed several series here. So those are the two big main ongoing dramas that we've had film here. And I think you've also had Wonka. Yes we had Wonka film here actually back in October 2021 and it was released uh, last December so it took a while actually before it was released but hopefully everybody will think it's well worth it because I think it's a fabulous film and it filmed here in Bath at three different locations. So what sort of locations are the favourites? Tell me about them. Well, people mainly come here for the street locations, the Georgian architecture and the fact that you can actually film in the round, almost often 360 degrees of of fabulous Georgian architecture. So they come for places like Bath Street. They come for places like Abbey Churchyard. And also, I mean, Wonka filmed in parade gardens and the beautiful steps that go down into the gardens there. And they also come for ballroom scenes often. So that's in places like the assembly rooms and at the ballroom at the Guild Hall. So presumably Jane Austen movies have been filmed here, I would think. We've had... Three versions of persuasion film here in the last thirty years. The latest one is out in, on Netflix. Came out last year. The first one we know of was in ninety five. Filmed here, literally the first year after the film office was created. So the film office is that is that part of
0: Bath and North East Somerset Council?
1: Yes, the film office is part of the council. It was set up. 30 years ago because they realised actually there were huge benefits to the local economy by having filming taking place here and also because of the volume of filming that we needed to have a dedicated service to be able to manage it and presumably it raises funds for the council It does raise some money for the council as well. But I think primarily it's really the amount of money that it generates in the local economy and also it drives tourism. And we've certainly seen that with Bridgerton. I mean, you can see Bridgerton tours crop up everywhere now. Oh, exciting.
0: Now, say they're filming out there in the Abbey Courtyard just below your office. What's the logistics of that? Do they close roads off? Do they have many trucks? I mean, I can imagine... Whenever I've seen anything being filmed, it seems to require
1: massive amounts of crew and vehicles. Dramas do come often with a crew of between 50 and 200 people, depending on the size and what they want to do. And yes, it is a big logistical operation. And you might be thinking, why on earth do they all need that number of people? And it's because it's a bit like bringing a factory onto a site. That's what they are. They're a factory that makes a film. So everybody, like in a factory, has a sort of dedicated job that they do. They're like big, you know, little cogs making a big wheel. So they're all specialists in these particular little jobs that they do. And or big jobs, I mean, you know it's it's a very complicated process. and they all need to get here somehow. They all need to potentially, if the location isn't from a, a local studio, they need to be pot up overnight, so they need to have accommodation. They come with all the kit comes in some very large lorries sometimes, so we need to find somewhere for them to park. They all need to eat. So we need to find somewhere where all that crew and if there's going to be extras, they've got to eat as well. So all those things need to be taken into consideration as well as the actual filming. So where do they all go then, Rachel? I mean, they can't just go out there, can they? I can't imagine they're in a lorry park, you know, right outside the city. Well, you'd be surprised because actually that is partly what they do. What um, How dramas work is they usually have something called a unit base, And that's somewhere where they put as many of their tech trucks, which they don't need direct constant access with, or the crew cars. They can potentially have their catering up there as well. And those tend to be a bit further out of the city centre. And then they will ferry everybody to and from there in minibuses and the like, meaning that we only have to find parking for what we call their essential tech vehicles. And those are the things that have all the lights and kits that they need to have in and out of the trucks all day long. And that actually still can be a considerable number and have, you know, if it's a large drama... But we've kept it, our goal is always to keep that to a minimum because obviously in Bath, parking is tight. So presumably you don't have
0: lots of things being filmed at the same time, there's a sort of schedule.
1: They are often like buses, I'm afraid. (laughs) They don't talk amongst themselves (laughs) and come up with uh, a plan of who's going to film where. So it is a bit of juggling. Sometimes if we have something right in the city centre and then something that wants to film further on the outskirts then that can be viable, but it's really rare that you're going to get two big dramas filming here at the same time. We just can't, you know, we just have to say you're going to have to shift something, and whoever comes first generally would get (laughs) first dibs on that.
0: And so what about the stars? Do you get to see them? Do you meet them? Do you get any any
1: perks of the job? We generally don't see the stars. I'm afraid we are very back office. Um, The people that we deal with are the location managers or supervising managers and their team. We do go out onto set just to keep an eye on what's happening, and sometimes, like anybody else that's passing by, we see some exciting people around. But no, we don't. We don't get to meet anybody that's really like a star on the set.
0: Shame. Are you allowed to tell me what's being filmed
1: imminently? I'm afraid I can't. I wish I could. I genuinely wish, you know, we we are often the people that have to keep the quietest. We often have to sign NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, because uh, productions understandably want to be able to be in control of their own promotional material. However, I can say that there are a number of things coming up that you'll be able to see on your screens this year and look out for Bridgerton Series 3, which I think comes out in May.
0: Thank you so much, Rachel, for the lowdown on location shooting in VARP. Thank you. So let's now move on to set and find out from someone who's trying to make a living as an extra. Here's Charlie McLeod. All right, so Charlie, you've been a sporting artist, an extra on Bridgerton and on the film 1917. How did that come about? Are you a, a budding actor?
2: It was always something that I've wanted to do. I've always had the sort of aspiration to be an actor, essentially, but I've never done anything about it. I've always been a bit lazy in that sort of regard, and... One day I was working and my mum sent me a link that she found as 1917 was being filmed up on Salisbury Plain. So not too far from where I lived. And it sort of just went from there, really. And that was how I got into it.
0: Do you go through an agency or do you just ring them up? How does it work?
2: They signed me up when I went down for the first one to a uh, agency. And I've put my name out into a couple of different casting agencies now, like Key Casting, Phoenix, Extra People. And um, basically it will just be every once in a while, they'll send me a text being like, we're looking for people to film like this project around here. Are you free? It's a yes or no sort of question. And then if they pick me to go up there, then I can go up. Some of them require like an audition before you go. Bridgerton did essentially the way I've got it pictured in my head it's like they've got a Tinder profile for everyone so it's like (laughs) they just type in requirements like we want someone who's this tall and has this sort of size feet because costume only have shoes that go to this size and all of that stuff and they just send out a message to people that they like and then they get the reply of everyone who said like I can do it and stuff and then they just sort of pick people from there I could be completely wrong but that's the way I like to imagine it
0: I'm sure you're right. So tell us about Bridgerton then. What did you have to do and where did you have to do it? And what was it like?
2: So it was filmed all over. There was a lot of it that was filmed in Bath, like Holborn Museum and stuff like that. It was all over really. So it was a a lot of driving around to different locations and a lot of late nights and early mornings. I mean, hard days, but the people that you're with, help you out because everybody's doing the same thing. So everyone's excited because you're all there. And, and most of the people who are there, it's their life. And they live just doing the acting work. And so you've got a band of brothers sort of feeling around it.
0: Yeah. So presumably for Bridgestone, which is a costume drama, you would have had to have been fitted for wearing certain costumes. Tell me about what you wore.
2: After I'd done the audition and then I got told they wanted to go ahead and I sort of got the part to be one of the high society members. The next stage was to go off and have the costume done. And um that's when they sort of like had a look at me and was like, okay, so we're gonna want you to grow your hair out because it's too short and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Just done a war film. So my hair's really short sized, kind of like it is now like short sizing a bit longer on top. And then I had the costume fit. They put a couple of different things on and tried you in a different suits and what looked nice and stuff like that and then when you're sort of fitted up and you've got your costume and then sort of gets bagged up and here's a number for yourself I think I was like 107 and then anytime I went in it was like my costume number so I knew where that was and I could pick that up and get changed in the morning and stuff I do quite like being in the makeup chair so when they did have to put bits of makeup on and stuff I did quite enjoy that because I like having makeup done and I've had a fuss made of me and stuff like that so um yeah, and then it was just go and go and nice, big, bright, vibrant costumes and top hats and just walking around, having a good old jolly. I guess.
0: <laughs> so were you were you outside or were you in dances or what? What were you? What kind of? Yes, yeah, so I were you think
2: in? throughout the whole of the season. Anytime you see a lot of like extras and stuff like that in the background, like whether it be wide shots or in dance halls and stuff, like a lot of us were always in it. So it was a case of like become a real nice family at that point. And we got to know the sort of crew as well. And like the people who looked after us would just purely kind of look after us and stuff. So we had our own like costume and makeup people and stuff like that. Everybody had two sets of costumes because you had your out and about your daytime stuff. And then when it was any of the Danbury balls and the weddings and the parties, we all had like evening wear. So it was all sort of like the men had like the black suits and everything. And the women had the really nice ball gowns. And it was easier to figure out what we were going to be filming that day when you turned up. And it was like, oh, I'm wearing my black suits to wear at a party. And it was like, (laughs) if not, and it was like, oh, I'm in my bright blue and pink green coat thing. So I'm outside and doing other bits so I mean like the gentleman club playing cards and drinking wine
0: <laughs> and I guess you were told exactly where to where to be and what to do and
2: if it was a completely new scene that we're filming we'd all sort of turn up and then it would be as I said like the 80s that would look after us would sort of start putting people around and put you with somebody to like be a couple with and things like that and it's give us a little bit of a background of what's going on and things like that. So it would be like, oh, so Daphne Bridget is going to walk down these stairs in a minute. So when you do, you're just in like absolute awe because she's gorgeous. When she's walking down, she's in a nightgown and everything. So it was okay. Like we we're all having a chat and then she would start walking down and we all knew what to do at that point. Cause at the end of the take, if you were sort of doing too much in the background, cause we're not allowed to talk at all. So every time like you've seen it in the, in a film, TV shows, there's extras in the background. They're not talking. They're all miming, like not even a whisper because that can be picked up on cameras and off off the boom mics and stuff.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, so you can't do too much. Otherwise, you start looking at the extras more than you would the main actors, which isn't a bad thing if you're an extra because you want people to see you, but you also want to be invited back the next day. So you (laughs) you don't want to play around too much.
0: So uh, did you get to meet any of the principal actors?
2: Yeah, I had a good bit of time with all of them. Like obviously, when, they're, when you're on set and things are happening, there's not really time where you would go up to them to have a chat and say hello. But I did manage, like, over the course of time that the whole season was being filmed, I did have a conversation with a few of them and like had a little chat and just spoke to them about how they got into it, what they've done and... They're all lovely people, to be fair. Like They've all given me advice and stuff like that when I have spoken to them. and Most of them pretty much have said, if you're going to do it, just go out and do it. That's the best way to do it. There's no secret recipe. Otherwise, everybody would be famous and on TV.
0: <laughs> Is that what you want to do, Charlie? Do you want to speak on
2: something? Yeah. yeah. If I don't ever go any further being in front of the camera, I would certainly like to be behind it in some way or another. I just got a massive fascination with how things have filmed and the way they're done and like seeing how things transition and the different sort of trickery that cameras in the sets will use to make it look like something when it isn't or those kinds of things. I like a lot of behind the scenes stuff.
0: Because there's huge crews behind all these dramas and tv series that we watch aren't there putting it all together mm-hmm. there's there's people that are just in charge of what's on the walls or
2: yeah you
0: know there's so many different jobs around aren't
2: there oh yeah like i've got um i've got a few mates of mine they're all in film as well like i've got someone she's in costume my best mate he's in props department and stuff and they've worked on certain films so he sort of purely just does those bits in. It can be anything that he'll look after for the day and it can just be sort of making up a bit of a wall and just anything props related. He's either built it or he's there to put it up and make sure nobody sort of messes around with it or breaks it because then he's back in the trailer fixing it and stuff like that. And she's the same with the costume and she's got to obviously put the costumes on the people and look after them and make sure if you are like messing around and say a button comes off or something, she'll have to quickly sew it back on and then you've got everyone else and it's like, sort of catering people you've got people that do lights people look after us the principal actors you've got location as well that's another one that i never really thought about like you've got people who find areas where you can film and stuff like that so there is a hell of a lot that goes into it really that i sort of i definitely didn't know about until i stepped foot onto sets and things like
0: that and so I imagine when Bridgerton comes out, you're there looking at all the bits that you've been you've been acting in and trying to spot yourself. Yeah,
2: that was definitely the fun part of it, because briefly, when I'd done 1917, everybody's in the same costume. We're all World War One soldiers. You all look the same. You've all got the same haircuts. You've all got a moustache or if you don't, you are clean shaven. But you're also that big. So you're only the size of like your thumb when you're looking at it on a screen and it's there like, oh, that's me. And you're, you're gone because you're running over the top of the trenches. And it's like, that's it. But in Bridgerton, I was lucky enough that I had a good amount of scenes and a lot of time, especially for the whole season that you can see me quite distinctively. And luckily I was wearing like really bright clothing. So even in distances, like, I was like, oh, that's me, because I can see the blue and pink and the green coat, and it was, like, quite obvious, and that was nice. And then I had a few times where I was, like, featured because I was quite up close on camera and they were using me for something specific, so I knew that there would be a few times where you'd be able to see me.
0: When you're not on set, are you? where are you? Are you in a big trailer somewhere?
2: It depends on where the locations are. Like, they had a couple, like, holding buses for us, so there would be, like... A big double decker bus that we would if we were being used we can sit and chill in them or if not we had rooms that we can be in that were far enough away that if we was having a bit of a chat they're not gonna hear it on the filming and stuff. There was a couple of shots that were in um the guild hall in Bath and uh we was in like one of the sort of common rooms and stuff and it was all evening attire because it was one of like A bit of the ball, and it was parts of it being filmed there, and then somewhere else. And our little holding area for the like crowd was where like they must have had big sort of council discussions and things like that, because you had all the sort of tables in a chair like in a semi-circle. You had where the big man would sit. Every sort of chair had a little microphone and a speaker. So yeah, we definitely had a good photo shoot in there.
0: And they feed you well, do they?
2: Yeah, they feed you well. Like. Every morning we turn up, and it was full English and stuff like that. And there's snacks that generally go around, and you get like your lunch and dinner and all that stuff. So you're generally really well kept and looked after, which was nice. So,
0: and what are you working on next, Charlie? Or are you not allowed to say?
2: (laughs) I wish I was not allowed to say. Um, I'm not working on anything at the moment. I'm still trying to get to a place where I can carry on and do it again properly, but at the moment, trying to go all the way out to London again for yeah. a couple days and things like that. It's just not really where I'm at at the moment. I can't just yeah. drop work now for two days worth of filming as much yeah. as I would like to. I've got to keep a roof over my head at the moment. So yeah. saving up a bit of money when I know I can clear my rent for the next two months and stuff, I'll go back out and try and push my name again and get on something where it gives me a lot more work rather than just a couple of days in prove I deserve to be there and also closer to the camera where they can actually start naming me and putting me in credits.
0: (laughs) Excellent well we look forward to that day Charlie McLeod looking for you in the credits thanks so much for bringing to life the 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 life of an extra and uh, what it's like to have worked on Bridgerton that's just fabulous thank
2: you so much. Perfect thank you very much.
0: Okay so now Let's find out what it's like to work in a building that's been chosen as one of the grand estates to be used in a highly popular Netflix period drama. So I'm here just outside the cafe in the Holborn Museum, which we'll talk about in a minute, and I'm with... Emma Morris, Chief Operating Officer at Holborn Museum. Now, this episode is all about location shooting in Bath. Bath is a backdrop to many dramas. And this building, the outside, was used as Lady Danbury's residence in Bridgerton. Tell me about that.
3: Yes, well, we've been featured in Bridgerton from series one, as you say, as Lady Danbury's house. So since I've been at Holborn, coming up three years, I think Netflix have been here shooting three, four times. They tend to come for three, four days at a go. And it's, it's really interesting because no staff are allowed in the building whatsoever. We have our head of visitor services who coordinates with Netflix. He's allowed in the building. The rest of us are told to work from home, so It's really curious, we know that this is happening, that Netflix is shooting Bridgerton, using Holborn Museum as a facade for Lady Danbury's house, but we're really far removed from it because we're at, at home with orders not to come anywhere near. They tend to put up hoarding all around the building so that no one can see what is happening. I wouldn't say they're secretive, but it, it makes us chuckle that they do send letters to our local residents because there's always some disruption. And they always say there's, there's a um, series being filmed about, sometimes it's a Napoleonic War or some spurious thing. And everyone knows, everyone knows that it's Netflix filming Bridgerton, but they never are overt about it. That's very funny.
0: And now they've been filming series three, I think. We've just seen series two. Series three is coming out this year. So what's involved? I mean, you said they put up hoardings and presumably they're not just filming the outside, they're filming acting. So
3: we've got Lady Danbury herself walking in and out. Julia Quinn, I imagine. Yes, that's right. So they will come, and they do dress the outside of the building quite a lot. We're kind of putting up artificial rose bushes and wisteria. We have gardens at the front of Holborn, but not how it looks on Bridgerton. But they only film the facade. So we have this really interesting situation where a lot of people now, because there's Bridgerton tours around Bath, you can go and see everywhere, that's used for the series. And we have lots of people coming here and doing selfies outside. And then they come in and you can see this little look of puzzlement across their face. They're thinking, oh, it's not Lady Danbury's house. It's a museum. So I think there's this this kind of mismatch of expectations in terms of obviously They they see it as Lady Danbury's house, but all the interior shots are obviously not the Holborn. But they do do quite a lot of changing to the building, do they? I imagine they have to get rid of
0: anything that looks 21st century, like wiring and anything like that.
3: Yeah, I guess there isn't much outside the facade to really suggest. I don't think we've got any, like, telegraph poles or anything like that.
0: But do they shoot actors Going into the building through the front door, if you peeked over the hoarding that they put up, you might see Lady Danbury
3: being filmed walking in. You very well, you, <laughs> you very well might see her. But I think if you peeked over the hoarding, you may be arrested by Netflix and never seen yeah. again. Well, certainly if you worked here, you would. You would have to stay your distance. But um... it's been great for for the museum, just in terms of that raising our profile. And, uh, you know, a lot of people do say to me, oh, um, saw you on Bridgeton last night. So it's been great pride for us to be chosen as Lady Danbury's house. It's been great for our profile. And I think for, for the city of Bath as well. well. you know, Bath obviously gets used a lot for period dramas, but there's a real pride when particularly recognisable buildings like the Royal Crescent and the Holborn Museum, it's, it's great for us residents when we're watching Bridgerton or any other film that, in, in, that is shot in Bath. You can go, oh, yes, know where that is? That, that's where I work. <laughs> and certainly when I got the job at the Holborn, um, for my friends and family who didn't know it, it was a very easy way for them... When I said, oh, it's Lady Danbury's house in Bridgeton," they go, oh, yes, we know exactly where you mean. Thank you
0: very much. It was a pleasure to come here and find out about it.
3: Thank you. And we do um, stock some lovely Bridgeton merchandise uh, in our shop. We've just commissioned some new merchandise of tote bags and uh, little kind of um, cases, pencil cases. So um, do swing by to the shop and have a look. I will. And tell us what's
0: on at the moment. What can people come and see during February, March
3: time? Um, At the moment we have a major exhibition on Gwen John, who is a fantastic 18th, 19th century painter and her brother Augustus John during their lifetime was a much better known artist than his sister Gwen, but Gwen's star has been in the ascendancy over the years, so this is a beautiful um, retrospective of her career and her paintings are really, her colour palette is, is, is very subtle and they're very mesmerising, her paintings. We've also got contemporary artists called Lubaina Himid who won the Turner Prize and you can see her work we, we've wrapped the pillars around the outside of the building in some of her fabric and then there's installations of her fabric in both the ballroom and the picture gallery. And opening this week is an exhibition of an artist who should be much better known than she is. She's a sculptor called Gillian Launders. And then coming up in the summer, I'll just do a quick plug. We've got a fantastic exhibition of uh, Henry Moore miniatures. So there are works that he made with, with his own hands. Obviously his huge sculptures took an army of people to make so what's lovely is that all everything we're showing he made with his own hands including some miniatures that have never been seen in public before and then Mr Doodle I don't know if people know of Mr Doodle he's got two and a half million followers on Instagram and unsurprisingly he doodles Everything. So he's going to take over a gallery and doodle it, he's going to doodle the outside of the cafe windows, the lift and also he's going to be doodling some street furniture in the city, particularly around Milson Street. So we're very excited about both Henry Moore and uh, welcoming Mr Doodle to Holborn from May onwards.
0: That is an eclectic
1: mix.
3: (laughs) Well, that's what we aim for, something for everyone at Holborn. Traditionally, we're known as putting on more, I guess, 17th, 18th, 19th century artists. But over the last few years, we've been showing a lot more of modern and contemporary artists. Um, And, you know, that's what we pride ourselves on is having the more traditional works with the the new and then contemporary
0: Thank you very much for talking to us today.
3: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of Footprints. Thank you for joining me. And don't forget, you can listen to all the previous episodes anytime you like. And please, please share as widely as you can with friends, family and colleagues. For more information on Bathscape, visit the website bathscape.co.uk. And thanks too to the National Lottery Heritage Fund and players of the National Lottery for supporting our work. Footprints was hosted and produced by me, Pommy Harmer, and I'll see you next month.